You're listening to Live Wild Radio, the part-time adventure podcast. Join us as we explore how outdoor adventures build mind, body, and spirit. And we're live. Welcome to the Live Wild Podcast. My name is Winston. And I'm Catherine. And what we're going to be talking about in this podcast, and hopefully many episodes to come, is a love for the outdoors, adventure, (laughs) and what we do... You know, how we make it work with having, like, jobs, families. Kids. Well, that's families. Oh. Yeah. Well, little kids. Yeah. Uh, How you make it all work and how you basically, you know, integrate, like, when you have this passion. Because ask yourself, what would you do if you won the lottery? Uh, And I'm talking big lottery. And for me... I would just be like a full-time adventurer, whether it, yeah, hiking big <laughs> trails, climbing mountains, going to like the best rock climbing locations, and spending extended amount of time there. New experiences. Yeah. And so it, it, it's a case of integrating, you know, that kind of passion for that and being able to do it as much as we can while still having jobs and, you know, rent to pay and figuring out retirement funds and all the <laughs> normal bullshit stuff that you got to do, but it, it's not the most exciting stuff in the world. So what we're going to start off with is just talk a little bit about, you know, sort of our history and, you know, the things we've done and then, you know, delve deeper into why there's a love of the outdoors and these adventures. So mm-hmm. let's start with you, Catherine. Yeah. Sure. I'm a working professional. I'm into business development, uh, nine to five, um, you know, full time throughout the week. I have I'm a single parent. I co-parent and I have two young kids, five and seven. So many might say, where do you find the time? And uh, half the time I'm on my own. So I get to try new things. I've always enjoyed the adventure, uh, the outdoors. And um, I think for me, uh, it's uh, really started two years ago when I had the opportunity to start rediscovering uh, myself and and quite honestly, the outdoors for me was quite therapeutic and and just taking some time for me and figuring out what I wanted to do. But most of all, I really enjoy taking pictures. And I know there's lots of different motivations and Winston's from a different um, side of it. But uh, for me, it's always been about the beauty and just soaking it up. It's a very spiritual place to be. Place to be and you often hear about uh, that, that common phrase of bathing in the forest. Uh, so, so very early on, um, you're obviously getting the idea that uh, we, we come from different places. Uh, Catherine's the eat, pray, love side of the podcast, and I'm the uh, do do crazy, wild, tough things and test yourself. And uh, are, some of you might not be familiar, but there's um, in in a lot of whether it's the outdoors or uh, a lot of avenues or arenas. Um, the, the description that there's type one and type two types of fun. So type one is going to the movies. It's going and riding a roller coaster. It's fun when you do it, but it's not something that sticks with you. And type two fun is the kind of thing that most of the time when you're actually doing it isn't fun because it might be hard, it's cold, you're tired, but it's a story that you will always remember. Uh, and that's sort of one of the things where... Don't get me wrong, I like to watch a movie, listen to music, what have you, but uh, I'm really a big fan of the the type two type of fun. And, you know, if you come back and you're bruised and you're bleeding and you have nothing left to give, 
I consider that a highly successful um, trip. I'm a bit of a blend there. I mean, my first hiking adventure was in Hawaii on the Nepali coast. And I remember coming back thinking how I challenged myself. I hiked all day. I was scared a bit. I got hurt. You know, it was hard. At one point, we're 3,000 feet up, and you could see both sides of the, the ridge <laughs> straight down. But, I, you know, I, I think uh, I can appreciate some of that. And so since we've gone out backpacking, and I've certainly discovered what happens when you push yourself. And, and you often, you always underestimate what you can do, which is quite an amazing thing, especially in harsh, harsh conditions like minus 40 degree temperatures. <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, convenient thing, uh, if we have any American listeners, uh, minus 40 Celsius and minus 40 Fahrenheit, that's the point where they cross over, so it's the same thing. So, you know, you don't have to do any conversions with that. We're Canadian, so uh, we speak in Celsius usually. Uh, I'm sure they picked that up already, eh? Uh, I suppose, <laughs> but we don't we don't say A a lot, and we don't say a boot. They catch me. They, whenever I go to New York and Boston, they pick me out just like that. Uh, well, then maybe you do. <laughs> uh, but one of the, the biggest things I run into is for me when I started as a little kid, the outdoors was actually work um, because we lived in like rural New Brunswick. Um, it's where I was raised, you know, sort of the, the first bunch of years of my life. And before we came to Ontario... What I ran into was a lot of outdoor things, you know, going and collecting wood, uh, you know, hunting, trapping, uh, things that I did with my grandfather taught me a lot of great skills. But when you're a little kid, it, it, it was the equivalent of having to rake the lawn or take out the garbage. Uh, you know, it was work. Uh, and now, yeah, because when I came to Ontario... It was much more city life because we lived in Brampton. And then as a teenager, I kind of rediscovered it, like in high school. Uh, what was it that made you rediscover it? Uh, well, I'm not even going to say rediscovered it as far as the outdoors because I was doing different things. But that's when I started rock climbing. Mm. Um, you know, I saw like issues of like, it was probably Outside Magazine because that's what the school library had. Um, and I think the public library had um, climbing magazine back then as well and i was just seeing these amazing things and of course we didn't have the internet yeah that's how old i am uh <laughs> but when i saw these like crazy adventures these these people climbing these sheer cliffs and uh you know whether it's the big walls in yosemite you know that obviously gets even to this day you know with the tommy caldwells and alex honolds gets a ton of publicity but there was just this attraction to doing that which isn't easy and you know as a weird kind of punky nerd kid who you know kind of didn't really fit in anywhere having this kind of like identity you know uh, I'm a rock climber. Um, of course, I had no clue what I was doing. Um, luckily, uh, I got taken under the wing of some older people, which, you know, when I'm a teenager, these guys in their 20s were like, you know, Yoda type, <laughs> uh, super knowledgeable. And it's like, oh, my God, like they've 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 climbed in New York. Oh, and, wow. you know, <laughs> um, so I would often run into the thing of, I'm going to have to ride 
my bike to from Brampton to the Niagara Escarpment, you know, which is about 25 kilometers. Uh, and initially, 25 kilometers. Okay, go on. Um, and you're probably carrying a lot of stuff. Well, at the time, I had nothing, so no. Oh, okay. Uh, I was too stupid to even take water and stuff. <laughs> uh, but it would be a thing where a lot of times I would just like walk around the, either the top or the bottom of the cliffs just watching people climb mm-hmm. and then just climb. You were that kid. Yeah. And I would climb a little bit, uh, you know, on just stuff really low. And these guys, you know, said, hey, kid, do you want to like try a climb? You know, and basically they put a harness on me. It was on top rope. Uh, and... I had a chance to climb some stuff. Uh, and then it was like, oh. And then they said, okay, uh, there's a place in Toronto uh, <laughs> that you can go because you couldn't get gear anywhere and there was no internet. Mm-hmm. So they gave me a list of things to get, like special climbing shoes. Turns out, you know, climbing in your like sneakers that are too big for you uh, doesn't grip the rock very well. And went through that whole process of... Each week I would go out, and some weekends they weren't there, <laughs> uh, so I would just like climb at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, but just over time, you know, taught me how to uh, put nice. anchors together. Uh, you know, how to. We really didn't have sport routes back then, so everything was trad. Like we were, we were the people that were. You know, when you were doing top ropes, you were slinging trees because mm-hmm. there was no bolts out there. Uh, and it was before they banned. They discovered that the cedar trees on top of the Niagara Escarpment were these special thousand-year-old uh, trees. So, yeah, like I, I think you know, my teenage years, the big thing that got me back into it was uh, rock climbing. Yeah. Um, and you know, camping was cool because then you could have hiking boots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but it wasn't. You know, the backpacking and that kind of thing came later. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And at one point, you even lived in the forest for like nine months. Yeah, but that's what as a dirtbag adult. Oh, okay. That was just being cheap. Uh, it wasn't so much being cheap. It's more that then you could climb all the time. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Like I, I, that's, I, I, that's pretty common. <clears throat> like I've very romanticized the, uh, you know, the climber lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, eating out of the garbage and. <laughs> <laughs> really. You know. Yeah. Well, you just when it was freshly put in, like oh, somebody, okay. somebody's finished. <laughs> that makes a difference. Yeah, I'm not. Doing so it's it. not the five second rule. It might be the couple of five hour rule, but no, 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 no. It had to be fresh. Like I'm definitely, you know, hmm. under thirty seconds. Which is funny because when it comes to my cooking and what's in my fridge, <laughs> oh yeah, the rule stands. <laughs> well, because I've had food poisoning, you know, and uh, that I I don't have no time for. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like it, it, let's look, you know, in the last um, two years, mm-hmm. uh, you've climbed your first mountain or had you climbed any mountains before that? Uh, well, in the Pali Coast Ridge, if you include that in Hawaii. Um, no, no, I don't think that climbs as a mountain. Uh, yeah, yeah well, that's true because we got up to the top. So yeah, my first mountain was Mount Marcy. Okay. That was my Eat, Pray, Love week-long trip, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember... Remember that I contacted you because I had heard that you guys had gone on a trip. And overall, I was looking to go out east on my own. I was even considering on renting a convertible. <laughs> and uh, 
and I knew I wanted to go somewhere epic and scenic, maybe along the St. Lawrence River. And he had said to me, uh, well, what do you want? I said, I want the scenery. He said, well, why don't you go south and go west or east? Go to Lake Placid. And I just simply remembered when you said to me I should climb Mount Marcy, I told you to fuck off. Yeah. Because <laughs> I said, no, that's, that's stupid. Why would I do that? That's the tallest mountain in New York State. Come on. <laughs> and you said, no, this is how you do it. And you broke it down. So uh, I... I did it. Um, I drove out there and uh, set up at the Adirondack Lodge, decided to get a room, which was a good idea. And you, I remember, distinctly remember you saying time was my friend. And that was the key thing was to start early. So I think the stats were it took me 13 and a half hours, eight liters of water. It was 21 kilometers there and back. I think the elevation was. It's about 3,500 feet which is quite significant. I was in no shape. I was 40 pounds heavier, so I was overweight, and um, my knees were terrible. Didn't have all the right gear, but I still had most of it, and it was the first time I learned to eat, um, you know, your trail mix. It's not so much taking, like, sandwiches, but energy food. Mm -hmm. And that was interesting. Yeah, so I so I started there. I often com contemplated thereafter to write, a blog on what not to do <laughs> because that's how I learned both in the winter and summer. And, and then I did my first wilderness survival uh, trip with you. That was in June. So wasn't the, didn't you do that <clears throat> before Marcy? Mm. Yeah, you did that before Marcy. Oh, I that did. That was in May. I did. Yeah, that was interesting. I couldn't even pick up my pack. Yeah, uh, you overpacked a little bit. Uh, I think it was probably just 30 pounds. Yeah. Well, you weren't very strong then. I wasn't very strong at all. That was quite humorous because I would try to put it on a ledge and then that was higher than up to my waist. I could just put it on nice and easy. That was tough. Nothing was tightly packed. I probably had wine and fruit and things. Yes, like but I, I thank you. You shared the wine. so that was I did. I did. Yeah, that was interesting. That was uh, an experience of being exhausted, dehydrated. And there was one other thing because I fell out of my hammock. Yeah. Yeah, you Twice and I too tight. <laughs> but anyways, uh, yeah, thereafter, somehow, and I think everybody, no, I don't think anybody thought I'd ever come back because I had a heck of a time that weekend. Yeah, but that's, those are the best times. But, but for me, I'm, I like, I like a challenge and not everybody's like that. Yeah. So well, I didn't mind. I learned. Well, that's the, the people that don't like a challenge are not the ones we're, we're talking right. to. Right. <laughs> you know, because one of the things I love with podcasts or like, I like listening anyway, is that it's like you're part of a conversation. Um, and so generally with the podcasts I listen to, um, other than just some of the smarty pants ones where I'm just listening to smart people talk about smart things and hopefully I become less dumb, um, generally it's listening to like-minded people. Uh, and it's not even you know politically like-minded, uh, but more, you know, they, they approach life the same way. Uh, you know, going after it. Uh, they don't make excuses for themselves. You know, you might not be able to pull off everything you want to pull off, but they go hard. Uh, and and it, it it's really kind of a, a lot of times like inspiration, motivation. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, sometimes it's just fun too. Uh, oh, totally. I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible what you learn about yourself. 
you know, sometimes you're at different stages of your life and you're just contemplating and sometimes you just need that time to be disconnected, which everybody recognizes when you're in the outdoors. But uh, just to take time to to listen and breathe and get through hard times and clear your head and not be, you know, <clears throat> overcome with anxiety or with whatever your issues are of your day or your life and just take that break and, and just relax and enjoy uh, conversations. I mean, when we go on our trips, often we're not hiking together because of speed or, you know, mm. and even interest, whatever. People like to go a little faster and that's fine. And uh, and I actually quite enjoy that time hiking on my, on my own because I can hear the birds or I can just take the time to stop and pause and take some photos. And, and we're never more than maybe 10 minutes, half hour apart at the most. Do you, do you remember last summer? <laughs> that was different. What are you talking about, Marcy? Well, yeah. 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 yeah well, that was different. That was backpacking, and that was like two thousand feet, whatever. Like, you know, a break. I got to the crossroads and yeah, yeah, yeah. waited. That was that was and waited, that was hard. And waited. That was hard. And waited. <laughs> that was only an hour. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, listen, you know, it's not like I had, like, Instagram or anything to <laughs> bide my time with. It's people. You're racing people, and you're proud of it. Well, yeah. With the backpack. And it was sloppy. I remember that. There yeah, was it was lots wet of and mud. sloppy and slippery. And it was very narrow, and it was just all up, up, up. But, Until uh, you get to the swamp at the top. Yeah, that wasn't that bad. Anyways, uh, yeah, overall, I mean, it's just... I, what's always amazing is when you're at the top of the mountain and you look back and you're like, I can't believe I just hiked all that, you know, and it's just one foot in front of the other, but it, it never ceases to amaze me. And the best was when I finally, <clears throat> after a couple of years, my children are big enough have or have grown enough that I could take them to Lake Placid to the places that we've been. And they did the same thing. They only, you know, their first summit was an 800 foot long, uh, you know, in terms of elevation, that was the height that they climbed and they could see the lake, Heart Lake from down below. And, and that was pretty, quite far. So for them, you know, that was quite an accomplishment. It was, it was really cool. Mm. So, yeah, that was good. Yeah. You start them on little mountains. Yes. And, and anybody who, uh, listens to this and then they might, you know, make some comments or what have you, uh, we don't have windscreens yet, so if you hear Catherine breathing into the microphone, because she doesn't have earphones on, so she can't hear that she's making little hurricane sounds when she breathes out her nose right into the microphone. Uh, so don't hold that against her. Uh, I'll hold my breath. Hey, whatever. You know, clean audio is important. Uh, <laughs> no, you just don't want to have that that uh, that bad sound. You know, because that's always one of the things... Like, I've been listening to podcasts for a long, long time. And one of the things that I didn't want with ours, and we'll obviously probably get better over time, but uh, some of them just sound like, uh, you know, it's recorded on a loud telephone. And, you know, it with the, with the recording equipment that's available... Because, uh, you know, we've got a mixer and real microphones and all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's no reason why you have a podcast that, that sounds like, you know, you're listening to it through, you know, like a, a police or fireman's megaphone, all, you know, compressed and squawky. Mm-hmm. So uh, we are cognizant of the audio issues and we're going to do our best to make them good. Um, 
Okay, so we we've done a little bit of background uh, of you know what we both sort of started off like. Uh, now, what if you look back at like sort of you know because you really got into it a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. the person you were then versus the person you are now. Uh, what do you think sort of the biggest changes have been? Um, I think feeling more comfortable with um, unknown situations. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the things that we do now are riskier. So it's really interesting. And by that, I mean, for the, for the audience, we rock climb now. I mean, for me, that was a big deal. I have a slight fear of heights. The most I've rock climbed outdoors is 70 feet, maybe. Yeah. But we're going to fix that. Yeah. (laughs) In April, apparently. We're going to Red Rocks and outside of Vegas. That'll be interesting. Um, So I think it's it's all kind of um, recalibrated, in a sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, the definite change is that I'm more knowledgeable, so I'm teaching others now. And, uh, And definitely I'm bringing my children into it more and more. Like I said, they're five and seven. They went on their second backpack trip this summer. We went to Lake Placid, 3K in. I'm very mindful taking them, especially. Because they have short legs. Yes, they're they're smaller. They're on the wee side of their class. But uh, aside from that, just making sure that they enjoy it. So, and we were out there, and there was in complete bear country, and we slept in a lean-to, and uh, we slept in hammocks and tents. Last year we went to Tobamori, but um, that was really interesting. I think overall, though, what and and rock climbing has or indoor rock climbing has really escalated this is the feeling of just going for it, mm-hmm. you know. So that's really cool, and um, I would say those are the key things. Okay, because um, one of the, one of the things that I love with any of these sort of challenges and the, sort of any challenge in life, but but. Obviously, our our arena is the outdoors, you know, with these adventure kind of sports or hobbies we do, is almost like a a kind of interesting dichotomy. Because when you push yourself, you test yourself. But then when you test yourself, you change what you're made of. So the result of the test after the test is no longer valid. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about in terms of I've improved. So mm-hmm. it's hard to, I'm not the same person each time. Mm-hmm. You just, by virtue of being challenged in a different environment. And for me last year, that was winter camping and yeah. snowshoeing in the mountains. I think Seward Mountain. Yeah, Seward. Yeah, because I was really nervous about the idea of being almost 5,000 feet up and having no business being there, <laughs> especially with the idea of um, tree wells. You hear about that when, yep. you know, out west or anywhere you're skiing in powder, uh, falling to one of those, and and uh, that's not a good situation at all. But in this case, that couldn't happen, and I was uh, I was very afraid of maybe just uh, falling off the side of the mountain and just slipping in. And because it's so steep, where would you end up? But there's so many trees, you eventually hit a bush or a tree. <laughs> yeah, and the, the the particular mountain that we did was one that didn't even have a, an exposed summit. Yeah, and there weren't we weren't in avalanche areas. Yeah. But nonetheless, it was all very new and it just felt like you had no business being there. Well, that's that's kind of one of the things that I like about it is being places you don't belong. 
you know, uh, like where without, you know, the right gear and some knowledge and all those types of things, you wouldn't fare very well. Um, because think about like in, in, uh, the beginning of June, uh, we went to Utah and if you've never been in the desert before, that was cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a different world. Yeah. Uh, and whereas anywhere we're backpacking, you know, in Eastern North America, water's not an issue. Water's everywhere down there. You, if you didn't know where to look or you didn't, you know, the, know the type of terrain to look for or, uh, some of the clues, you know, uh, you'd really be screwed. And then there's this lady, I'm sure you saw her. She had like four children. One of them was a baby. Yeah. Yeah. Down on the Just canyon. coming down the way. And she obviously knew what she was doing. I don't think she'd ever take any, you know, she was by herself and she was going super slow because she had this two-year-old that couldn't walk fast yeah. as you would expect. That yeah, was just it, nuts. Yeah, they, they and came. And we're in the middle of a hundred, maybe a hundred kilometers from the nearest town in the middle of a desert. And they just walked in an yeah. old hollow watershed. And uh, so they walked in quite easily, but. Well, and even, even that descent wasn't easy though, the way they came in. Was it? It's, it's Oh, they came in the same way we came, we started? No, yeah. no. The, Anyways. No, no, they came down the hole in the rock. If I'm if really? it's if it's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh partway down the canyon there was a you could drive almost right to the edge of the canyon yeah, yeah. where you parked and yeah. then it was a pretty steep descent. That's crazy. Uh yeah. But yeah. you know, not nearly as long as So it just goes did. to show what you can do with knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. That's I know that's what it all comes down to. Uh is knowing, and that's and it was quite incredible when we did the the overnighter in Queen Elizabeth Wirelands over last Christmas. Mm-hmm. So for all you uh, listeners out there, I think some of you remember how cold it was. At least in Canada, it was minus twenties, minus thirties, and it clocked in at minus thirty forty overnight. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was pretty amazing. <laughs> how your body felt the next day? You were sore because your muscles had been contracting all night just to keep warm. Yeah, that yeah, because we we snowshoed into the backcountry. Uh, and then found a campsite, cleared the campsite, uh, collected a whole ton of wood, built a lean-to, uh, did a Siberian log fire in front of the lean-to. And one of the little tricks, if you ever use a fire in front of a lean-to to heat it, is bring a uh, painter's drop cloth, uh, the plastic type. Uh, you know, they're pretty cheap. And what you'll do is drape it over the entire lean-to, backfill, uh, and just works, obviously, if you've built the frame of the lean-to with, like, uh, the roof of it with, um, uh, you know, wooden poles that you've harvested from the forest, ideally dead trees, um, so you're not cutting anything alive down. And what you end up doing is backfilling it with snow so it insulates the top of it and you've got the plastic over it and it actually covers down the front of the lean-to. So, A, it helps cut the wind and it keeps the heat in the lean-to from the fire, but then any of the embers from the fire that come uh, don't end up coming and burning a hole in your expensive sleeping bag. Uh, Unless, of course, you start to pack up and... 
near the fire. Yeah. Which yeah. happened to me. That was in your sleeping bag, though. That was your oh, sleeping my, pad. Oh, my sleeping pad. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, I think maybe you used it twice, sleeping pad, the thermorest that you burned a hole in. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, well. I learned how to patch it, though. Yeah. Important. So that's a good survival technique. Yeah. And uh, it's the one thing that kind of sucks of this not being a video podcast, but... <coughs> excuse me. Uh, you know, if you do some research, like there's a... Uh, YouTube channel called Survival Russia. Um, and uh, he basically uh, has really, really good videos on how to do a Siberian log fire. Um, it's a, a basically a type of fire lay that you only need like six foot long logs. You don't have to cut everything up and split it and everything. But more importantly, it directs the heat in one direction. So if you're in a lean-to and you just have a regular fire, the fire is going in all directions. So with this type of fire, uh, it will direct the heat directly at the lean-to. So it's much more efficient because you're not losing heat in all directions. Um, so it doesn't take as much wood uh, as having just a more traditional like round fire. I've got a couple of pictures from that trip and even more recently when you did the uh, winter camping workshop. Of what that looks like, so we can include that in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'll take it in, uh, yeah. in the description. But that, so on this trip, I, I have a perfect example of what not to do, which is not to bring a sleeping bag only rated for zero. And although I could uh, bring it down to a minus 15 rated sleeping bag by adding a liner into it, uh, well, I guess we didn't expect the temperatures to be that cold. I mean, no. <laughs> well, because the, the forecast was said minus my, 25. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I figured I could sleep in the middle with two guys. And with the with the heat from the fire yeah. and creating the shelter, it would be warmer, which it was about 10, 15 degrees warmer in there. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, I really experienced some uncontrollable, uh, what, what would you call that, shaking? <laughs> yeah. Trying to warm up. Yeah, it was weird because I felt warm, but clearly I wasn't. It was really uh, very interesting. And I wonder if that's some of the, not who's hallucinations, but some of the odd uh, experiences well, well, our, that happened. Well, our, our, our hiking partner did have some weird gummies with him. <laughs> that's true, you did. You know, yeah, I didn't like, have that. Yeah, it, it was one of those things of like, hey, this is your first time for both of you doing this kind of thing. Uh, maybe, maybe don't eat the pot gummy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was silly. You know, <coughs> it's like, because, listen, you know, I'm not a prude. Have have all the fun you want, but there's there's certain times where you want times a clear head. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, uh, yeah. you know, minus 40 uh, out in the backcountry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but what, what was really cool with that, though, is that uh, being able to teach you guys sort of how all of these little tricks work and you know you end up having a, a comfortable-ish night yeah it was interesting because it's exactly what you were saying earlier it's one of those times that you may not be or you've spoken about you may not enjoy it as much while you're doing it but once you're done you it's a great story it. And, you know, uh, and I had so many people say I was crazy, stupid, whatever. And, and I really didn't care. 
um, for me was just such a fascinating experience to know, to learn what your body can handle. Mm-hmm. Um, because you've never tested yourself that way. Yeah. And the hardest part was, was quite honestly, just getting out of the car during the day and which I think was probably around minus 20, 25, something like that. Yeah. And, and because it took so much time to get your snowshoes on and get ready and get, you know, get going and you always have to start off cold. That's the trick to, uh, winter backpacking. Because you had to get your moisture control fine tuned, um, but once you get going, and it was only a forty-five minute snowshoe to our location. By the point by the time you got there, uh, you're unzipping, your you know your jacket's wide open, you're fine. Yeah, you've adjusted, and that's that's really incredible. Um, and I was uncertain as to how, because as you say, the rule with winter camping is that you're either moving uh, in your bag or by a fire. Yeah. Right. Well, that's my rule. Other people could do it differently, but yeah, I've but it's true. And 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 so the thing was is that once we got there, I was not sure how much moving you would have to do in the end um, to maintain your temperature and stay warm enough. And in the end, didn't mean that you had to be jogging in place, right? Yeah, twenty four seven or for the time that you're out of your sleeping bag. It was it was easy. You were just leisurely doing what needed to be done. And well, the, the plus there is that when you're doing what needed to be done. From about uh, noon or one o'clock, yeah, we had a fire going. Right, but even up until we had that fire going, oh yeah, look, it we, was we were, warm enough. Yeah, because you're you're you you're know moving. We're you're cutting right. down trees. We're shoveling snow. Yeah, but it wasn't that exhausting. That no, no, no. After a while, you'd be like, "Oh my god, I'm so done, and I want to stop, but I can't stop because I got to keep warm." No, no, it's you it's never uh, it's felt about it's about steady. Exactly. But that can seem really intimidating to people. Mm. And of course, ignorance is bliss. You don't do these things <laughs> all knowingly what could go wrong. Um, and it was just funny because on the way out in the morning, I took that photo of me with my eyelashes and everything was white. With icicles, yeah. Yeah. It was a perfect shot. Yeah, that's but that's that photo is the one that everybody said, you know, when they saw you're crazy, it. You're that stupid. you're crazy, yeah, blah blah. Yeah, yeah. It's like But hey, I was actually and I was very warm. There was nothing wrong with it. Yeah, the yeah. reason why you had the frost build up is because your body was emitting a fair amount of moisture. Yeah. You know, you weren't sweating. Yeah. But you were emitting a fair amount of moisture that Yes. Uh so then I've, could condense because it was so cold. Right. Uh, the other plus of that type of thing, though, is uh, after, you know, our night out, then on our way home, we stopped for breakfast. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know, maybe 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Um, and the plus that you run into there is you order, you know, like the Hungry Trucker Special. You know, that comes out, like, not on a plate, but on a platter. And, uh... We eat, though. I've never eaten so much in my life. Yeah, and then you're... But you feel your body almost digesting it, turning it into heat. You know, replacing, like, the amount of energy you burned. Yeah. You know, just being in that environment. And that's also interesting, um, even in the summertime when you've been camping for about a week. Because you're outdoors and your body has to regulate its temperature to be warm enough... When you come indoors, all of a sudden you're too hot. Yeah. You know? So well, that, that's just my life all the time. <laughs> no, but I noticed it too. You're, you're burning energy just to keep warm, but you don't need to anymore because you're indoors. Mm-hmm. But it's just fascinating what your body's capable of doing. And to me, that's just, yeah, that's just amazing. Well, and, and 
it almost becomes sort of like a uh you know a microcosm kind of idea of just anything of human performance like yeah. whether it's working out mm-hmm. uh you just consistently do it over time um you know like the the two fundamental principles which is consistency and progressive overload just over time doing a little bit more mm-hmm. than you'd been doing and you'll find that you just steadily you don't even the increments of improvement are so small you don't really notice them um until you do something as a test and then you're like holy shit yeah uh like lift that backpack well the, you don't <laughs> that was for me yeah now now you don't even bat an eyelash you just throw it up one armed yeah uh but we run into the same kind of thing like uh because the climbing gym we train at is just bouldering which is for those of you who aren't climbers um the there there's three main types of climbing so there's bouldering which you have climbing yeah rock climbing but you you have no rope uh you don't climb very high maybe 15 feet at the highest um if you're doing it outside you'll have like crash pads with you if you're inside the the whole gym floor is a crash pad kind of like your gymnastics you know thick pads so if you fall you just fall on the crash pad and you could tweak an ankle or something but you're you're very unlikely to die um or have any serious injury uh and so the focus of bouldering is shorter usually more intense problems um obviously you're not going to have an endurance route that's only 15 feet long then uh you have top rope climbing which is if you've ever climbed in a climbing gym that has uh roped climbs what you'll have done most of the time is top roping so rope goes from your belayer and that's the person that will basically protect you they control the rope keep it tight on you so if you fall you you don't fall to the ground um and the rope will go from the blair up to what's effectively a pulley on the ceiling at the top of the route and then back down to you as the climber so as you climb your belayer pulls the rope or feeds the rope through a belay device which is a unit that increases your grip like if you were doing it with just your bare hands and somebody fell it would just rip through your hands a belay device usually at most gyms is a grigri uh will if the person falls it locks and you actually have to move a lever to lower them down to the ground um so that's top roping and you can do that indoors or outdoors then there is sport climbing uh which you're climbing from the ground there's no anchors above you but uh as you climb you clip a quick draw which is two carabiners with a sling between it to a bolt on the wall and then you clip your rope to that so if you fall uh you'll fall a little longer than you will if you're top roping but because the bolts generally speaking are are fairly regular you don't have huge falls and then there's a trad or traditional climbing which you start from the ground and go up but you are placing either metal nuts or cams which are uh, units where you basically pull on it it closes you put it in a crack and it opens and you clip to your rope to those as you climb. Uh, and then when you get to the top, you set up an anchor and then you belay your second, the person that was belaying you up. And then they clean all the stuff out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, long-winded explanation about what I'm trying to say. But uh, because we climb in a bouldering gym, uh, then 
it's hard to really see sort of the effect it's had on your longer climbing, your roped climbing, you know, where you're doing longer routes that you need rope for protection. So every month or so in the winter, we, we go to a different climbing gym that's got roped climbs. And because climbs all have grades to them, uh, you can actually see, you know, if you're actually able to climb harder climbs, then all of that climbing in the bouldering gym, even though it's smaller problems, uh, has had this, you know, effect on your overall climbing fitness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now you're talking about climbing, which is actually quite interesting in how that can carry back to the weightlifting gym, mm-hmm. right? Because you've really worked on your grip strength. You've worked on the attitude of going for it, right? Which sometimes I've learned what how that's trans- transferred into the weightlifting gym. But I think just to step back for a minute, um, a lot of people might say, well, I want to get fit, you know, for backpacking, right? How do I do that? And so, and as you've always said, the best way to do that is to basically carry a backpack and hike around in the forest. And and actually, if you can put like maybe 60 pounds in your backpack, then... Don't start there. Don't start there, sorry. But work up to that. Um, and what I did is I actually bought a weighted vest, mm-hmm. um, and which is quite comfortable. It's got sand in it. And I started about probably 20 pounds, maybe 30. Yeah. And it goes up to 40. So I wear up to 40 right now. And I take my hiking poles and my boots. And, and I usually go in the morning. Um, I was doing that for quite a while. And uh, so strength training and uh, obviously losing weight. Less weight you carry, the, less, the faster you'll go. Mm-hmm. That's uh, true. And also for rock climbing, um, for sure. And, um, and then working out in the gym doing very specific uh, endurance, strength training, and uh, and then the cardio, which was always difficult for me to get excited about. Yeah. It's one of those things where cardio is <laughs> not fun, but when you're trudging up the side of a mountain and you're completely gassed, uh, what you do run into is regularly going, oh, when I get out of here, <laughs> I'm really going to do my cardio. Yeah. And it just all depends on how... Uh, uh, how good your memory is of remembering how yeah. much you suffered by being out of shape. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it, it can be something as simple as, uh, you know, if you the gym you go to has the moving staircase, the stair climber. Oh. Um, put a podcast in, put some tunes that you rock out to. Yeah. And start at 20 minutes. Don't even go super hard. Yeah. Right? And that that's sort of, back to the thing I was talking about, it's consistency and progressive overload. It doesn't matter where you start. Just progressively add a little bit more or go a little harder, Yeah. right? And do that consistently over a long enough period of time and without having any fancy training programs. Um, as long as you're getting enough that, uh, stimulus that your body can adapt to, yeah. Um, you'll see a training benefit. And the one thing that was interesting because you you were doing personal training at the at your bike shop when I first met you ten years ago. And uh, by the way, I used to own a bike shop, and uh, <laughs> now I don't. Uh, <laughs> and I work in the uh, outdoor industry at a big uh, chain outdoor store here in Canada. Uh, I'm not going to mention it till they're sponsoring the podcast. Um, and yeah, so. So anyways, um, one thing that, uh, I've lost my train of thought. <laughs> You're talking about training in the back of my bike shop. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I thought was, uh, really effective were Tabatas. Um, 
but to a certain point. Yeah. 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 But what was, what's also really interesting is, um, you know, just doing a little bit uh, each time. Like when we started off doing uh, squats, mm-hmm. I could only do it with the barbell. So yep. the empty barbell is 45 pounds. And, um, and I had terrible knee problems. And so that was my motivation to start strength training was to try and build up the strength in my legs and my body overall. And so I can carry that backpack. But um, it was just incredible how over a year I had gone from 45 pounds up to, well, my max was 190. You know, uh, that's pretty incredible. And then we started playing around with volume and reps and and how that translates when you're backpacking is, um, yeah, it's phenomenal. It's just it's amazing. It's what you need. And and so um, and I think the other thing that people look at this, though, just to change the topic just slightly is how do I do all this when I'm working and I'm busy and I've got kids and and I don't live near a park or the hiking trails and. And one of the first things that I first discovered that got me back into this was the idea of night hiking. Mm-hmm. People are like, what? What's that all about? And especially in the winter, again, people think I have to stay indoors. So you get a good pair of boots and you get a headlamp and... Maybe right. some micro spikes that <clears throat> slippery outside. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Little metal spikes that go on the bottom of your boots. Yeah. And so, you know, we're based here out of the Waterloo region. So I went to the Kitchener um, Huron Natural Park, I believe is what it's called. And it was beautiful full moon or you know little moon whatever um it's quite beautiful to enjoy that it feels like you've got your weekend it feels like you've been somewhere um and then I discovered early morning hikes or for a friend of ours got me into that which meant having to get up at 5 a.m and <laughs> yeah I'm not up for that nonsense <laughs> the only time an I- hour on a weekday and we'd meet up at around that time and uh take some breakfast with us and have that by the river and go for a hike and be done by 6 30 maybe 7 and and it's time to go to work, and by 2 p.m. in the afternoon, you're yawning. But again, another beautiful way to spend the morning and feel like you've been somewhere. Um, so that's that's how you bring it to your to your weekdays, and that's how you make it fit. Um, and people will say to me, Catherine, like, you're traveling all the time. And I'm like, not really. I'm just doing it on the weekends. Yeah. You know, or long, take an extra day, whatever. But overall, we're we're not traveling that far, and... And we're not having to do a lot of planning because there are places you can go in the States that it's, you just show up, it's free. And, uh, yeah, say what you will about Donald Trump. Uh, and you know, I've got some issues cause he's shrunk some of the national monuments. I'm not American, but I get all offended when they shrink the amount of wildlands in the U S uh, you know, and I'd like to say it's for, you know, like altruistic reasons because, you know, we got to preserve the environment and all that. It's like, no, you're you're shrinking the amount of free places I have to go. Mm. <laughs> you know, all the other stuff matters, too. Don't get me wrong. Um, but. Uh, so anyway, forget forget the Donald Trump thing. But one of the things that that's wonderful uh, in the States and that, that we don't really have a lot of here accessibly anyway is. There is a lot of area where you can legally camp for free. Uh, And, you know, you didn't have to book it. There's no reservations, no permits most of the time. And so it really opens up where you can go, what you can do, how you can create your adventure. Um, You know, we run into that when we go to uh, Adirondack State Park in the, the high peaks, you know, in sort of upstate new york i guess they refer to it as upstate 
you run into that when you go a lot of the you know mountainous areas in in northern Pennsylvania that we go to uh we spent 12 days down in Utah and northern Arizona uh we camped legally every night and never paid a cent to camp mm-hmm. uh you know and and at some point like on the blog or something like that I'll actually give a bunch of pointers <coughs> excuse me I'll give a bunch of pointers on how you find the free places to camp uh there just as a, a little tidbit there is uh a website it's like campfree.net um something like that google it uh but what it is is basically like a map that you can zoom into and it shows all the free places to camp now uh one of the things you will run into is a lot of them are walmart parking lots <laughs> uh which if you're if you're living the van life, you know, and you're road tripping, um, then you can actually just pull into most Walmart parking lots and they let you, you know, you can sleep for the night. Uh, but there's a lot of wild areas. Um, one of the problems we run into here in Ontario, uh, as far as free camping goes, is we have uh, Crown Land, which is basically, you know, land owned by the province and because we are citizens we have access to it but a lot of it is really really far north mm-hmm. you know and it's really buggy yeah like if you're going and and, it, and it's also not developed like the most of it doesn't have any trails and mm-hmm. uh it's not the kind of environment that's fun to go through if there isn't trails yeah, and it's probably more suitable for um for canoeing and portaging if there are rivers running in that in those areas yeah yeah um, and that's sort of, I think, one of the things you went into. Some people, like if you canoe uh, or kayak, like, like multi-day trip type thing, um, Ontario is spectacular. Uh, I don't do either. Um, I prefer to be on my own two feet. I like going to high places. Um, and one of the things you find with water, uh, very rarely is it anything but flat, unless you're hitting some white water. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it's always the lowest thing in that area. Yeah. And the other thing that's really interesting that I enjoy is that, um, you know, in, in the height of the summer, I mean, the bugs are minimal. I noticed that right off the bat in, uh, late June. Where? In, uh, the Adirondacks. Oh yes. Yes. Mosquitoes, uh, horse flies, which I freaking hate, mm. can't stand, I blow up, um, and then also uh, taking your kids to these places is very family and kid friend- friendly. So when we talk about these adventures, people might say, oh, okay, that sounds really dangerous and too risky. But it's not. Um, again, you can go into the interior on a 3K backpack and be surrounded. There's a ranger that's there. There's about eight lean-tos, lots of campers, lots of kids, you know, families. with. Yeah, if you're going into Marcy Dam. Yeah, exactly. And then on some of those hikes, you see like day uh, trippers come in with kids. Yeah. So I think that's the nice um, piece to it all is that it's for everybody. Yeah. Well, you know, the, depending on where you go or how far in you get, um, you definitely run into uh, some of the environment being more challenging. Oh, sure. Um, because. And questionable. Yeah. Uh, as far as 
Oh, uh, well. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is question? <laughs> Saddleback in the Adirondacks. Are oh, you kidding you, me? You, you'd do that now and you wouldn't even bat an eye. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, yeah, it's like, um, you would. So I have a slight fear of heights. Um, yeah. I mean, we were high up. And the point is, is that as you're climbing the slab of rock, if you were to fall, there is no forgiveness. No, it's granite. Exactly. That's my point. So don't fall. <laughs> like some of these questions have such simple answers. Yeah. There's a risk. So there's a lot of mental. Um, you no, know. the the consequence is high. Didn't you, we, we went and saw Free Solo, which is the, the movie of Alex Honnold um, climbing without Great ropes movie. up uh, the free rider route on yeah. El Capitan That's in cool. Yosemite. Uh, and, Part uh, of his brain's not working. As far as his amygdala, his fear center, yes. it doesn't fire up the way other it doesn't fire does. up. <laughs> you know. Maybe mine overfires. Well, but it's conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, his thing, well, maybe his brain wasn't wired properly, uh, or maybe he conditioned himself over such amount of time that he got to the point where it takes something extreme to fire the f- fear center. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, saddleback, because you were never going to fall off of it. Uh, but you could. Right, but remember what Alex said, and this is, I'm just going to regularly quote like little, you know, whether it's climbers or some Henry David Thoreau, you know, make myself seem smart. But uh, when people said, oh my God, what you're doing is dangerous, and he said, no, it because he'd practiced it so much, he said it's low risk, high consequence, mm. you know. So the risk of you falling off was pretty low, mm-hmm. but if you did fall off, the consequence would be pretty high. Yeah, well, usually that's enough to... But that's interesting about the states overall. I've noticed um, Angel's Landing Trail in Zion. This is in Utah. Beautiful place. But they have... Uh, you're probably about through, uh, to almost maybe 1,500 feet up, 2,000 feet, and it's sheer drop. And on you're, both sides. On both sides. And your trail is probably two, three feet wide at the max with a chain link, you know, a, a rope that's there. So, yeah, chain. Chain link. Um, yeah, so obviously that, that takes a lot of mental preparation to be able to do that. Not yeah, because if, if that trail did not have a 1,500 foot drop on each side. Mm-hmm. Sure, you could do it. It's no big deal. Right. But it's so the, being that, uh, if it, if it, the trail itself from a technical standpoint isn't a big deal, mm-hmm. if it had a one foot drop on each side, mm-hmm. then it's not a big deal with a 1,500 foot I drop. Know. Right. Because the trail is exactly the same. Yeah. Right. Well, you saw me back in Utah, too, like what happened when we had to cross that ledge. Um, I nearly had an anxiety attack for five minutes afterwards. Yes. And that was only 30 feet high, but it was just scary. Um, It was a slanted ledge. Covered in sand. In sand that if you stood on it a certain way, you might slip a little bit. Could you? Uh, It felt that way. Well, if you... If you did it wrong, yeah. Um, if you try to because you're you're scared, you lean into the rock, yeah, which will tend to have your feet come out from under you, yeah, and then you slide on your face down the rock, yeah, that's not good. Um, or you're using your walking poles like you did, and I yelled at you, yeah. Um, you're leaning on them too hard because they're not going to bite into the rock, yeah. So then if they slip because they have no bite, yeah. Now you're off balance, right? And so the consequences could have been falling maybe twenty, thirty feet onto nice bed of rocks. Well, most of it down there was sand. Sand, but there was a lot of rocks. 
Oh, yeah, there's some rocks. Yeah. Yeah. We're, anyway. Yeah. Uh, would it hurt? Yeah. It, it, it don't fall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that but that doesn't always work for me. <laughs> so that's my challenge. Is I'm trying to overcome a bit of fear. Yeah, and it, yeah. it, it it's overcoming that fear uh, because when you're panicky, afraid, yeah. is when you're more likely to do something stupid. Yeah, right. Because if you don't have control of your faculties, right? Because um, it's not like I'm never afraid. Like I'm not Alex Honnold or my brain. My fear center works just fine. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, there, there's just that idea of does your fear control you or do you control your fear, right? And the the advantage I have, I've been doing a lot of these things that cause me fear yeah. a lot longer that you've developed the muscle or the skills yeah. internally to manage it. Um, and... Basically, you you almost develop this new internal language. Mm-hmm. Um, but the great part is, is that when you get back to civilian life, things that might normally stress you out, they don't stress you out <laughs> That no was more. a good segue, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it wasn't, you know, just having a conversation. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but that's, that's always one of the things that I've found with it. Yeah. Um, is you don't get, like, overwhelmed nearly you know like the the how am i going to pay for this or how am i going to do this or what's my boss think or da 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 it's like yeah i've hung off my fingertips you know <laughs> on the on a cliff hundreds of feet in the air i've had a rope i'm not well, one of these three solo guys but the lesson i've taken away from it and it has come especially from rock climbing because you're facing your fears all the, i'm facing my fears all the time with rock climbing mm-hmm. is uh um facing it and often when you do and you just go for something you you really you are surprised by how easy that move was, or you don't realize how strong you are, mm-hmm. uh, or how skilled you are, and how capable you are, and you can transfer that into your your working life, your daily life, um, and until you start challenging yourself, do you realize what you're capable of? And it goes back to your very your opening point with every challenge that you take, you grow. So you're never the same person. And this is where we get into the philosophical side of what the outdoors, I think means to both of us Mm -hmm. um, and why we do it and, and, um, and how you can take that to your everyday life. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well, we're hitting right about now. We just hit one hour. So (laughs) perfect. Yeah. We're going to call this an episode. This is episode one of the live wild podcast. Um, they will get better, you know, uh, I'll have to listen to this, but uh, I don't think it was terrible because we we talked about the 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 aim is really just outdoor friends having mm-hmm. conversations. So that's yeah. overall, we we wanted to give you a, a different sense of all the topics around Live Wild and uh, where we plan on going with with chats and bringing on site uh, on site um, some hosts or guests. Yeah, um, we're the hosts. That's true. Yes, yeah. it's late. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, thanks for tuning in to our first episode. And uh, you know how these things work. Like, comment, subscribe. Or is that just YouTube? Because uh, obviously if you're listening to this, you do need to subscribe because you could have just downloaded it, you know, to the link that we posted on a Facebook or something like that. But either way, thanks for tuning in. And uh, until next time, I'm Winston. 
I'm Catherine. Ciao. See ya.